Hi, I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Pig Health Today, and with me is Dr. Paul Sundberg. He is a veterinarian and executive director for the Swine Health Information Center in Ames, Iowa. Paul, thank you for joining us. Good morning. So, surveillance is your focus. Now, I've heard the uh, expression, there's active surveillance and passive surveillance. Describe the two. Yeah, so active surveillance, surveillance is looking for something. You're gonna be looking for something, and in disease, we're looking for diseases either to see if they're there, to early detect them, or to say they're not there, we don't have it. So both of those things can happen, and they have to happen in different manners in order for surveillance to be effective. But then you've got active and passive. Active is when you're actually going out and you're, it's just that, it's being active. I'm going out and I'm checking places to see if I can find this disease. Passive is using the things that come into the diagnostic labs and other information to detect after it's happened to see if you can find it. Now, you've made quite a few references to diagnostic labs. I know that your organization last year, as part of a pilot study, looked at the diagnostic labs and found a lot of variability in the results. Tell us about that. Well, uh, when the diagnostic labs, they developed their system for recording their test results. They did it as part of their billing systems. And it, worked, it works fine for them. Here, I've done this test, the test result is this, and here's the bill. So they've all developed it with their own streams. Mm -hmm. They might use the same test, but what happened was they developed, developed the reporting for their own purposes. Huh. And so there is not a coordination of reporting between one laboratory and another. Um, if you look at it in Excel spreadsheet terms, yeah. Iowa State may put it in cell A3, and, and Minnesota may put it in cell D4. And so if you're going to look for that same test result in those from those different laboratories, you've got to go through all of the IT and all of the, the lifting of figuring out where it is, how to get it, how to make it coordinate with the others. So one of the things that the center's done and one of the things that I think is really important, we got those laboratories together and we asked them about this and they said, we can all do this the same way. All we have to do is be coordinated and figure it out and have the money to help our IT folks all put it in cell A3. And so they have, had to go back and they had to do that with all of them, but we're working through the list of tests and, and coordinating between those diagnostic labs. The advantage of that is that's going to give the producers, it's going to give researchers. In the event of an emergency, it'll give USDA, it'll give people that need to have that information, including producers and their veterinarians, access to that information, whether or not it's from one laboratory to another. Now, there's all kinds of confidentiality issues there because the producer owns the results. But, for example, um, if there is a, a researchable question that we have for PERS, for example, it's really important because we're getting samples from all over the country all the time. Thousands of samples are coming in to these different diagnostic labs. If we've got something going on in one diagnostic lab and not in another, we won't know it unless we can put all of that information together and say and, and look at it collectively. And that needs coordination between those labs. And I understand the variability in the spreadsheets, and I understand that communication isn't everything we want it to be sometimes. But was there actually variability in, you know, you, you send in a blood sample for a diagnostic test, 
and this lab says it's positive, this one says it's negative, or, or, yeah. or maybe their assessment of how positive it is changes. I, I mean, were you seeing that? Yeah, there is some of that. Um, because the laboratories may use different tests that may have different cutoffs, so that can be an issue. But one of the things that happens, and it's extremely important, is that when the laboratories report the test results, um, it, they all put it into perspective with the diagnostician. Here's the test result, positive or negative, but here's what I see in the tissues and here's how that might fit together. So I don't think that it's an issue of, of needing to um, make sure that all the laboratories are using the same tests and have the same cutoffs and all of that. There's a lot of that coordination that does go on in between laboratories anyway. What we need to do is we need to make sure that as the laboratories communicate and are able to pass on that information, there's that perspective that's given in there and the professional judgment of the diagnostician. That's their real value, and that's the strength of our diagnostic lab system. Now, you have something on your website called the disease matrix. Yep. When I first saw it, I thought, that sounds like a Hollywood blockbuster <laughs> movie. What exactly is a disease matrix? And more importantly, what do producers and vets need to understand about it? The disease matrix really drives what the Swine Health Information Center does for big project research projects. As PED broke and USDA uh, contributed by doing a, a, an input analysis, as I believe is what they called it. They looked at all of the possibilities of how PED could have gotten the country and, and gave their assessment. One of the things they did with that is a literature review and, and came up with 44, I believe it was, viruses that can infect pigs. We took that list and with the American Association of Swine Veterinarians, we asked a group of experts to take a look at that list of viruses and prioritize that list for us. What are the most important ones and going all the way down, because some of them are very pathogenic, foot and mouth disease is number one, and some of them are way down on the list and actually not known to even cause disease in pigs, but they can infect pigs. So we asked a list of experts to prioritize those viruses for us because that helps us to look at the most important things first. And that's what the matrix is. So we put that list together, going down, down, up and down is the list of viruses, and going across is a list of our diagnostic capabilities for those different viruses. Do we have a PCR for this virus? Do we have an ELISA for that one? And where there are holes, we start filling in those holes. That's part of the charge of the Swine Health Information Center. One is look over the hill for us and help to detect or help to um, predict what's the next thing that's going to come after us. What's the next PED? And then help us be able to, um, uh, be able to respond. And then third is, in that response, help us be coordinated in response. So we're talking to each other, we're sharing information, and doing better as a disease comes, we can respond as an industry. And is the next PED necessarily a foreign animal disease? Oh my, no. No, um, not at all. The next PED is an emerging disease. Let's put it that way, that the next PED is an emerging disease. That may be something that's here already, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it pops up. The Seneca Valley virus is a good example of that in 2015. Before 2015, we had maybe five cases a year 
of that virus. In the fall of 2015, we all of a sudden went up to 100 to 200 cases a year. So that certainly is an emerging disease. There are others, though, that are termed transboundary, that are, are foreign to the U.S., but not necessarily one of the big three, the foot and mouth disease, the African swine fever, or classical swine fever, but they're outside of the U.S. and they might get here. One example is called Kobu virus. Kobu virus. Kobu virus is a virus that's circulating in China right now that is like PED, it causes diarrhea in nursing pigs. And it can be very, um, it can be very devastating in the right circumstances, just like PED was. One of the challenges that we had before PED broke here in the U.S., group of veterinarians sitting around the sitting around the table at the American Association of Swine Veterinarians annual meeting, talking about swine diseases, and somebody said, "Yeah, this PED in China, and it's causing all kinds of trouble. And here's what it does, and here's how it looks." And we all heard that, and we all nodded our heads and said, "Boy, that's a good thing we don't have it." And then we we went away, and we can't do that anymore. The, the, we've got to be be prepared for Kobu virus or something else to get in here to be able to detect it, to be able to have the diagnostic capabilities to look for it, and to be able to respond to it. And that's what this health, Swine Health Information Center is trying to do, to work with the National Pork Board, National Pork Producers Council, and American Association of Swine Veterinarians to help coordinate all of these different efforts so the industry can do better as we go forward.